intuitive? There's a rumor going around that we all have intuition. We're just not all tuned into it. But to take it to another level, this whole conversation around intuition, to take it from being something that we use to something that actually is caring. That's the journey we're going to go on with Laura Abragamova. And I hope I got it right. So, Laura, I'm super excited about this. Everybody, please help me welcome Laura into the studio. And magic, poof, you have the power to turn on your camera. There you are. Yay. <laughs> How are you, Laura? I'm good. So great to see you. It is great to see you too. I have really been looking forward to this. I appreciate very much your willingness to take the time and to join us today. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. Laura, when it comes to this whole conversation around intuition, when did intuition become a thing in your world? Take us into the world according to Laura. Sure. Um, I feel like it was something that I always just naturally knew that I had this very strong sense of intuition. Um, I can't say that I can't pinpoint a particular time in my life or uh, you know, but I do know that whenever I were was in a position in my life where I had to make a decision, even starting from childhood, I always asked myself first, like, how comfortable do I feel with this decision? And if I knew if I felt a little bit off, I m would make mention of it um, either with like being with a so certain social group of friends or meeting new people in life or moving to a different place. Like I always knew whether or not it was the right decision for me somehow. So that's a very different experience of trusting yourself, mm -hmm. trusting yourself, even enough to ask yourself the question. It's not what most people experience. They experience the self doubt. Did I make the right decision? You know, these, what is called second guessing, you know, is this the right decision? And sometimes we don't even ever get an answer to that. But your experience of life was very different. And it's because of this connection to your intuition. Yes. So when did you realize the world needed help around intuition? I think it was around the time that I realized I needed help um, personally and, uh, health crisis that I started to experience. Um, just a little bit more about the intuition. I come from an uh, immigrant family. I myself wasn't born here. I was born in the former Soviet Union. Um, we moved to the States when communism collapsed. I was very young. Um, and, you know, I just watched my family go through hardships and trying to navigate a new world and a new language and a new culture. And a lot of that time, my parents um, didn't have enough time to really focus on us as I have an older sister and a younger brother. And so I think um, having to kind of figure out the world young um, and also help my parents kind of figure out the world, because obviously the English language came so much more naturally to us starting out young than it did to them when they were in their um, early 40s. Uh, we had to be the adults at home for, for a lot of the 
major decisions. And so kind of tapping into your intuition became a really important um, skill that I had to just develop. And it came naturally to, to me and also to my siblings because there was no other option. But I think when it came to me just really realizing that this is something that has to happen around the world and people really have to understand who they are is when I started to develop um, health issues. Um, I was diagnosed with endometriosis at the age of 24, but a whole year prior to that, I started to feel not well, um, throbbing pain in like the pelvic areas. And then I had other symptoms prior to that, that, you know, doctors just didn't know what to do with me. And, um, I've been, I have a background in healthcare in health policy and nutrition. So I knew enough about the body to know how much the, you know, the, the way that the body is supposed to work and pain is not normal. So, or it's an indication that something is wrong. So I think for me, you know, I had to really just tell myself, like, don't ignore what's going on in your body. Don't ignore yourself. Don't ignore your intuition, go looking for answers. And so that was really I think the moment where I realized like if I'm dealing with this and I'm a young person, how much more um, are other people dealing with this? So you had a health struggle. The medical community couldn't figure it out and you had to really push yourself. Okay. So what I'm hearing is that as close as you had been to using your intuition to make decisions, this was still a, do I listen to the authority? Or do I listen to myself? So yeah, if you struggled with it with a whole lifetime of trusting your intuition and then you got a medical crisis and you questioned it, that says a lot because for myself, I don't have a history of you know, trusting my intuition growing up. How did you decide that you could help everybody else with this? Because Lord knows, most of us need help. Right. So I think that for me, it was just, I've, I've always just been inclined more to um, being a spiritual person and just kind of trusting myself and kind of going into nature. I'm also an earth sign, so maybe that has something to do with it. But I just... Um, I just always just was more inclined to spirituality and I found yoga and meditation and I realized that I physically felt better doing that um, and then decided to go into, you know, getting certified and becoming a teacher. And really, I, I don't know, a lot of people would just tell me when, when we would talk that they, they felt like I was a good listener. They felt like I understood them and I would give them advice and they'd be like, that's exactly what I needed to do. Um, and so I just felt like maybe that's, a passion or skill set of mine that I developed also through maybe through childhood and what I've learned growing up. And so that's just, you know, by, I think learning more about yourself, you end up learning more about your environment and you end up learning more about others. And I think, you know, when you go through a health crisis and you're living with something that's a chronic condition and you have to check in with yourself all the time, that is the skill you're dealing or you're honing in on every single day. So you, you learn so much about yourself. You, you develop self-awareness, you, you develop humility. Um, and then you can learn more about how other people interact with the world and then give them a little bit more of like compassionate guidance. Got it. All right. So we are on the trail of compassion and possibly giving compassionate guidance and, and peeling it back. There are so many things that could be unpacked out of what you just shared. The one that caught my attention, I think the most, was this disconnect between 
being self-aware enough to check in. And as you've been working with people and offering them compassionate guidance, as, you, as you've developed these skills more and more through your practices of meditation and yoga, how do you help someone who can't check in because they don't, they've lost that connection to themselves? It's through just, first of all, being taking their defenses down, because I think a lot of times when people struggle with asking for help and in this society, we always have to look perfect, right? Instagram perfect or social media perfect. And, um, you know, when you go to a person and you see that they're struggling, telling them what they have to do is never going to work. Telling them, you know, you have to do this or you know what your problem is or anything like that, that never works. It's really learning to help them find the answers within themselves and asking them the questions about how how does this make them feel? What do you wish was different about your situation? What do you want from of your friends. Like I do have a friend, for example, who's going through a hard time. And I ask her all the time, you know, as one of the closest friends that you have, what would you like from me? What would you, and she would just say, I just want you to listen. And that's, that's my cue to know that's all she needs from me. I don't need to educate her on how she should live her life according to my worldview. Right. I just have to listen to her and have her hear her own words and guide her through her own words and her own situation. So this power of asking people questions unlocks that disconnect for them. Yep. Questions are really, really powerful. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to intuitive care, what are the questions that if somebody says, okay, I'm ready to explore this whole intuitive thing, where would somebody start? So what I like to do in my practice is um, starting with the physical uh, because of the yoga. And what I say at the beginning of all of my sessions is, you know, we'll do a little bit of breath work and we'll come into a relaxed a state of relaxation. Because if you're not relaxed, if you're stressed, if you're tense, then you're not going to hear the signals that your body is sending you. And I always say, you know, after a few breaths come, come out of your head and into your body and you will learn so much about yourself through movement through, it can be slow movement or fast movement, but um, if you're doing yoga, you're realizing the areas of your body where you feel the most discomfort. You'll realize the areas of your body where you're the most tense, where your muscles just don't move the way you want them to. Um, for me, when I um, was diagnosed with endometriosis, I knew that I had a cyst, a very large cyst on my um, they go, they grow out of your ovaries, but they can grow in other areas of your body as well. Um, it was a, a blood filled cyst. When I was trying to get into a particular pose and my body just wouldn't move because it was a sharp pain. So when, when you're able to just connect with your breath and focus on the movement, then you see the position and there you can say, we, we need to pause in just a second, Laura, we're getting um, some interference on your microphone and I'm not able to pick up on what you're saying. So just check your bandwidth. Um, but yeah, that broke up a little bit. So what I think you were saying, and, and so I got the story about the cyst and that it was painful to get into certain positions. And what I'm wondering is, so the pain of not being able to do certain yoga positions pushed you to go and find out what was wrong or you already knew what was wrong. I, I, I lost the train, I'm sorry. 
Yeah. Sorry about that. Not sure what's going on. Um, but yeah, it was the pain of not being able to get into certain positions and feeling this mass, um, when I would fall into certain positions. And there was one time where actually there's a foldover position and I almost lost consciousness and I, I kind of blacked out for a second because it was so hurt. It was so painful to move forward. Um, so I didn't know at the time exactly what was wrong, but I knew something was wrong and I knew it was serious. So got it. So intervention, uh, for that and led you to realize the power. Okay. So now I understand this is what gave you this body connection to understand the power of this. So when, and I love that you start with relaxation because you're, I absolutely agree with you. There is nothing harder than trying to help someone create a transformation in their life when they're in a stressed position, you know, physiologically. I mean, it's like, no, why would you want to do that? (laughs) So I love yoga because yoga teaches the belly breathing, the breathing so deep that you're actually activating those sensors in your body. Beyond that, well, I don't know. Let me, let me ask you this. Is there a breathing exercise that you want to share with everyone that would help them get into a state of receptivity before we go into the left brain stuff? So there's one that if you're particularly in a stress, a state of stress, one that can be very quick, you could do it anywhere, anytime, and it's called box breathing. And uh, we could do it now together if you like, and it's really just maybe maximum 15 seconds. You can take as long as you need, depending on how stressed you are. But uh, for the next few seconds, really what you're doing is you're visualizing a box in front of you. And on an inhale, you're taking in four seconds of deep breathing, inhale. Exhale for four seconds. Inhale again for four seconds. And exhale again. And inhale and just repeating the process. And whenever you find yourself in any moment of stress, they always say breathe, but some people just don't have the tools or to them it could be an annoying thing because they don't exactly know how to do it. But here's one very quick, very simple method um, that you can do in public and you won't look, you won't freak yourself out. (laughs) And what's so good about this one is that by inhaling for four seconds, it actually engages what they now call belly breathing. So, you know, the benefits of that are just amazing. And Katie being very protective, Katie is the tech support, also my oldest daughter, and she popped into the chat, don't do this exercise while driving. And that's because (laughs) it puts her to sleep. Uh And and so just in case, that's the disclaimer. So, you know, if you start feeling drowsy, stop with the deep breathing. Otherwise, it is something. I love it. It's so simple. It can, and it has a great visual with it. So it can be done anywhere at any time. Absolutely. Yes. So now that we are all a little more relaxed, a little more grounded, what's the next step for someone who says, what's this whole intuitive thing? So it's really, once you even have just the slightest spark of self-awareness, it just grows from there. Um, It starts with, also, it doesn't necessarily have to be with movement, although I like to start with movement because it's just, that's where it's so apparent. But it could also be through nutrition, realizing when you're eating certain foods, how does certain food make you feel? 
Does it make you feel bloated? Does it make you feel sick? Does it make you feel tired? Um, that's developing self-awareness as well. You can also tap into yourself. And it's just as simple as asking a question, how do I feel in a social setting, right? If you're with a group of people, how does this person make me feel? Um, I say to, you know, single people, for example, you know, if you're on a date for the first time and you're trying to figure out how, how do you like this person or not, all you have to do is just ask your, yourself that question. How do I feel right now? A lot of times you can mistake um, excitement for anxiety, really, it could be anxiety, and that's that's a, that could be a red flag, really, depending on um, your emotional how you connect with people. Um, it's it's really just a very simple process, and you just ask yourself, "How do I feel right now? How does this apple make me feel? How does this cup of coffee make me feel? How does this person make me feel? How does this job make me feel?" And you just take it from there. Got it. So, how does this make me feel? Mm-hmm. Pardon me. I loved the understanding that the, we really, our bodies experience excitement and anxiety is the same physiology. Mm-hmm. And so it can take a, a deeper dive. But how does this apple make me feel? How does this cup of coffee make me feel? These are the basics of life. You know, whatever it is that, that we are dealing with, we can check in. All right, that's going to give a very different Uh, tone to my day if I am checking in with me rather than being focused on the outside cool all right relaxation checking in with the experience that we're having in the moment whether it's somebody we're with or something we're eating what's so good about these practices What I love about these practices is that really helps you tap into your inner confidence and also let it project. And I think what a lot of people struggle with is their inability to open up and to connect with other people because they're so self-conscious. And I think in this world, in today's world, everything is about comparing yourself to the next person or feeling not like you're not good enough because you we're in, we can live in a very materialistic society and you're really just telling yourself, I don't need this, or maybe I do need this and I, and I'm going to figure out how to get it, but you're not going to force yourself to do anything that you don't want to do. And you're not going to victim. You're not going to feel bad about a situation that you are not responsible for. You're going to understand that this is a situation that maybe you're in, um, but you have the confidence to and you have the ability to empower yourself to change your situation if you need to. So that's really interesting because what I'm hearing is that these very simple practices can help build discernment so I can tell whether or not I'm responsible for the circumstance that's uncomfortable. Yes. That's a huge awareness, Laura. Mm-hmm. That in and of itself could change so many dynamics if we know, you know, is this my creation that it's been my mess to clean up or is this not mine? And so the idea that this is such a great, easy step-by-step process. So we've got a couple of steps here and I love the fact that it's about inner confidence versus comparison because we do spend a lot of our time comparing our insides to other people's outsides. It's not a fair game. We never win. 
No, and I think another thing that people struggle with is they don't realize how much of their inner world creates their outer world. And that by making a few shifts and changing your mindset in your inner world, you can drastically improve your outer world, how you connect to people, what types of goals you go after, what you believe about yourself and uh, the types of friendships or relationships or jobs or even the food that you eat, like what you deserve, uh, what you believe you deserve. It's, it's all, it all stems from the inside. So as soon as you can develop that self-awareness, as soon as you can tap into that inner confidence and you realize how much you power you really have, I think that is the moment where you can start changing your life for the better. Tell us a story. Tell us a story of what happens when this experience of inner confidence shows up for people. Uh, I can tell from my personal experience, um, there was a time about four years ago where I was in a really difficult place in my life. In uh, about 2017, I was working in a very difficult working environment, very cutthroat space. And this is when I was having a recurrence of my symptoms and my condition was getting a lot worse. And I wasn't able to focus on that because my outer world was so chaotic. Um, and the, and I realized afterwards my outer world was so chaotic because my inner world, my body, my physical being was not healthy. Um, and I struggled in so many different ways. I was moody. I was in pain. I was uncomfortable. Um, and my personal and professional relationships were suffering so much. And that year I actually ended up losing my job. Um, and I was, I felt like I had hit rock bottom. I was in a very like difficult space, but I really realized in that moment that without a healthy mind, body, and spirit, everything in life is so much harder to overcome. And that was the moment where I told myself I can either become a victim to my situation, or I can be the reason that things change drastically and improve and become a leader and not only just change my life, but also help others to change their lives as well. So I decided that I wasn't going to become a victim. So I, I decided to do the research that I needed to do. I decided to do the inner work. Um, and that was not easy. It was not easy and it was not cheap. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. Um, We're going to pause there. And I'd like for you to put into context, like, what was the research you did and what was the inner work you did? Give it to us like it's a Chinese menu. Okay. Yeah. So the research that I did was all about my condition because I really wasn't feeling like I was getting enough information um, or the right type of information from my doctors. My doctors were telling me surgery, medication, uh, endometriosis also affects your fertility. So I was asking, what will that mean for me and my future self and who I want to be? You know, I do have plans of having a family one day. Um, and so I was just living in a place of anxiety. And so I needed to do the research in understanding what science is saying about this condition. So I have a background in healthcare policy and research is a big part of my work um, at the time and being a consultant. So I had that skill set. So I decided I'm going to bring my professional skill set into my personal life and study my, my condition. So that's what I did to learn more about like, what are the alternative options? What are the consequences of the traditional options and so forth? In terms of the other inner work that I was doing therapy, um, self-help books, journaling, really asking myself very hard hitting questions. Like, why did I make the decision 
to be where I am today. Cause somehow along the lines, it was, a, it was a collection of choices that I had made that got me there. You know, I didn't take care of my health because I didn't feel like I, I had the energy to do so at the time. I didn't show up in a place in, at work where I should have been, you know, more positive, more organized, more, you know, you know, more professional. Um, there was a lot of things that I just micro things that I just didn't do right along the way. And it required a lot of self-reflection and say, well, if I could have done this better, maybe I, I would have had a different outcome. But in the end, you realize that all of that had to happen to be so jarring for me to have made such a pivotal change in my life. Otherwise I wouldn't, I would have just continued going along my life. Meanwhile, this illness was just kind of metastasizing throughout my body so it required a lot of just like stop think relax tap into yourself and only move in the direction that aligns with you not anybody else's expectations so before we go down the roadmap of the direction you took what kind of feedback did you get when you decided to create your own roadmap to wellness from my anybody anybody yeah from anybody um, because i got a feeling that there was a diverse um series of inputs of feedbacks that you got yeah so uh coming from a traditional home my parents just didn't understand what i was doing or why um being being a female and being sick and then having any kind of fertility issues has a lot to do with your perceived self-worth within your community. So for them, it was, um, you know, follow the doctor's orders, do exactly what the doctors tell you to do. And, you know, we'll see what happens from there. Uh, so for them, it was like, uh, I don't think this is the best. I don't think that, you know, you taking ownership is the best uh, approach. Then also trying to create a, a health coaching practice to help women tap into their intuition um, is also very um, untraditional, unconventional for <laughs> a, a family that expects you to become a doctor or a lawyer or something like that. I was going to say, compared to your um, job that you had had, mm -hmm. be, becoming an entrepreneur in any space is very um, prone to get feedback from family. Yes. We'll put it that way. Becoming a practitioner, becoming an entrepreneur in the healing space, in the alternative healing space, I have my own feedback stories. So I can only imagine. Oh my goodness. Where yeah. else did you get feedback? My friends also were a bit supportive um, on the outside, but you can tell through, you know, facial expressions and certain comments, you know, like, well, what are you doing for money? Or are you going to go back to work? Or, you know, those types of questions where they ask you, like, how much longer are you going to do this? You know, um, those types of things. So they're supporting this. They think, you know, I, it's so great that you're following a passion, but when are you going to take a little, take more of a serious route? So sometimes my friends would would try to nudge me in a different direction or they would say, well, maybe you could get a job and do this on the side, you know, that kind of stuff. But I don't, I don't think that it's fair to be in a position where, or on a job where you're not hundred percent there and being an entrepreneur and thinking like a CEO, I would definitely not want an employee in my business who wasn't dedicated. Um, so I wouldn't want to be that person. It didn't turn out well for me. Um, you know, it, it really, really did not turn out well for me to try to be a W-2 employee and an entrepreneur on the side. 
Yeah. Yeah. Had Thank not you. good written all over it. Right. And so you're just, you're operating at, on low energy on both ends and you're failing yourself um, all around. And it's just not, it's to pick a lane and, and fo focus in one area and give it your all. Um, and that was just me being intuitive, right? I knew that I couldn't put myself in that position um, because I had a higher purpose. Very few people ever take a look at that scenario the way you did from the perspective of if I'm the CEO, would I want an employee whose passion was disconnected from their productivity? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I just I don't think enough people ask that question of themselves before. Now, granted, if you're upfront with your boss that you're building this on the side and they know and they hire you, that's a different scenario. Yeah, but it's also true that I don't think the bosses are looking at this from the point of view of, are they able to be fully present when they're here? Right. So kudos. Okay, so you recognize that you could not be fully present for a job if your passion was over here. What happened next? So I, I believe that, you know, everything that happened for the following few years, it took time to build, of course. Um, and I, the model had changed over time. I, you know, tried to figure out what was the best way of a course of action for the business. It was e started at e-commerce and then moved into coaching. And um, also there was always a, a yoga component to it. It really took off um, right at the start of the pandemic when, you know, everyone was just online. Everything was virtual and it was just so much easier to access people because everyone's on the computer all the time. Um, and so I had virtual classes and people were looking for outlets um, and looking for ways to de-stress because of every, all the chaos that was happening around the world. Um, so it just, it just kind of flourished from there. So there we go. It's amazing how you were in the right place at the right time to be able to support so many people, Laura. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's such a cool thing. So what happened medically when your business started to flourish? I mean, I'm going to assume that some of these people that were giving you feedback started laying off a little bit. Yes. Uh, when you say medically with my condition or. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, when my condition and my symptoms started to flare up again, I met with multiple doctors Um and each of them had a different, similar treatment plans, but different outcomes. And I just didn't feel comfortable. Again, tapping into my intuition, I didn't feel comfortable with them being the ones to determine what my future would look like. Um, and the treatment options were aggressive. It was surgery and medication. And I said, well, I'm not, I've been through this before um, and, it, and it came back. So I don't want the same treatment plan for something that I know is going to come back. I want something better. And um, I told myself, I can't do this. I have to figure out my own way. So I started looking again into the research. I started looking into alternative options. And I'm not saying for anyone that they should just get off their medication and only focus on alternative options. But that was the right decision for me at the time because I had gone through the traditional route before and that didn't work the best for me. So at first it was uncomfortable. Um, 
and I had felt some discomfort and pain. And then over time, I started to feel, meanwhile, all the while, I still had intentions of going the traditional medical route. I just needed to find a doctor I was more comfortable with. But over time, within a few weeks and then a few months, while I was still waiting to find the right doctor, I started to feel better. I realized that some of the alternative routes that I was changing and you know, taking on and lifestyle changes that I was having um, were improving my overall health. And I was listening to my body and I was going to sleep um, at an earlier time. And I was focusing on only inviting positivity in my life rather than the stress. And things just started to get better. And I felt my like I was in my body again. I felt so much healthier. I felt more positive. I had a much more positive outlook on the trajectory of my future and my health. And it just makes you a stronger better person and it makes it makes it just so much easier for you to help others as well so what came true for you was that while you were trying to find a doctor that you were comfortable with your body got more comfortable with you yeah yes (laughs) essentially that's such a great story that you know you're seeking a doctor that you were comfortable with gave your body the space that it needed because there's no doubt aggressive medical treatment to contemplate that can bring on its own level of stress on top of the stress of the medical observable condition on top of the stress of making a living or building a business or even raising a kid i mean you had layers honey mm-hmm. yeah yep. and so yeah so that's really really cool i love the story as you've laid it out, give us some more information about how we can care more for our own intuition. What are some other things that we can do? I think the best things that you can do is really to protect your energy. Because when you are focusing on the stressful areas of your life, you're focusing on your brain is in its emotional brain and it's not able to logically think about what is the best next step for you. Um, Making sure that you ask yourself the question first before you ask anybody else is also protecting your energy. A lot of times, and I've been guilty of this as well in the past, asking questions, knowing that I have a strong intuition, but still asking other people, what should I do next? What should I do next? And then completely throwing myself off and upsetting myself. That wasn't me protecting my energy. That was me upsetting myself, becoming more negative and not trusting myself. Um, So I think protecting your energy is the best thing that you can do. So finding a self-care routine that works for you and not listening to other people's self-care protocol necessarily like if that works for you great you know if that if you're inspired by let's say my self-care protocol i'd be more than happy to share that with you but the most important thing is that you find one a protocol that or a, a care plan that is best for you if you don't like yoga don't do yoga if you prefer to go hiking maybe that's a better option for you um so ultimately i just say whenever you need to figure something out about yourself and tap into your intuition Go into a place that you feel safe and just protect your energy and focus on the answers that come naturally to you. I love that. Okay. A safe place to check in with yourself. Asking yourself 
for advice first before you seeking, before asking anyone else, before seeking advice outside of yourself. So this is what I'm gathering. Under the heading of protect your energy, there's this series of first, make sure you're safe. Get away from the stressors before you try to contemplate any of this. And second, ask yourself first. Trust yourself first. It's, it's really interesting. It's one of the challenges of our day is that we have access to so much information. If there's not an expert in our space, there's always Google. <laughs> yes. yes. You can ask Google anything. And the information that we get back, we're struggling, at least I'm struggling, to be able to create a filter that's strong enough to help me go, is this true or not true for me? Mm -hmm. So asking myself before I go to Google, before I go to a doctor, before I even go to a friend, would give me a pathway to avoid falling out of alignment with my own intuition is what I'm hearing. Exactly. Oh, isn't that cool? I like that. I, that's cool. I really appreciate that, Laura. I like having clear paths laid out for this. So when you started protecting your energy, what changed? So much changed. I can't even tell you. I, I, I really just... I knew first, first of all, so you, it's such a great question. It's hard. For, I have so much to say. It's like even hard for me to articulate. Um, first of all, my, my perception of myself changed. Um, I realized that I was not the person that my parents wanted me to be. And it wasn't my fault that this is what happened to me and my, and my body. It was something I was born with. Um, it was a condition that, you know, was triggered through environmental, social, trauma, anything. It just, it happened. Um, and that didn't define me. So I realized that my situation, my circumstance and the things that happened to me just didn't define me. And I was able to work from a place of confidence and move forward. Um, instead of being a victim to my circumstance, being, instead of looking at myself in the mirror as somebody who was diagnosed with endometriosis or somebody who was let go from their job, um, I turned out to be I told myself I am actually somebody who has the experience to help somebody going through the exact same thing. And now I'm an entrepreneur moving forward in the direction to create an impact in this world based on something that I'm very passionate about. So, you know, that changed how I spend my time changed as well a lot. Um, I realized that as much as I love the people in my life there, I couldn't be around everyone all the time. Um, and I had to really, again, protect my energy and make sure that I was with the people who were the most uplifting, were the most positive and most supportive in my life and had my best interests at heart. And I'll tell you, the, one, the number one thing that changed for me was figuring out who is the best physician or doctor for me. And I didn't have that before when I was originally diagnosed at the age of 24. I thought that my doctor... And I'm sure she had the best intentions, but there was a, there were a lot of gaps in my treatment. Um, and I only learned that after everything recurred. So that was, again, once I started protecting my energy and honing in my intuition and tapping into my inner confidence, I realized who I can trust. Even though among the experts, I realized who I can trust the best and who I felt most comfortable with. 
Got it. Thank you for putting that in context. Because I was going to say, how do you know who you can trust? It's who you feel the most comfortable with. So this is a process, getting comfortable with your intuition and then being able to use that as a Geiger counter, a GPS for answering the question. I loved it that you said you couldn't be around everybody and you chose the people who fit the box of the most uplifting and supportive. And that included a doctor that was uplifting and supportive. It sounds like. Yes. It's a, it's a team-based approach. When you're dealing with something as difficult as a health crisis and you think your body is just betraying you, it's you're at the center, but you have to have a team of supportive people around you to really help get you back on your feet. Cool. So are you back on your feet? Yes, <laughs> thankfully. So this is a chronic condition. There, you know, to date there is no cure, um, but one of the major symptoms that people feel um, is pain. And I am pain-free. I'm bloat-free. Um, my my digestive system is uh, functioning so much better. I mean, I just I feel better. I sleep better. Um, and I attribute that to just you know this overall self-care process. Um, and that wasn't the case uh, a year ago. That wasn't the case four years ago either. You know, it took me a while to get to the to this realization and, and develop this clarity because a lot of times you have to unlearn a lot of the stuff that you've learned in life um, that you've been conditioned to have um, when in order to come back to yourself. And so now I feel safer with myself. I feel more confident um, and I feel you know, more comfortable in my body, my body, I don't feel like my body is betraying me anymore. Wow. Okay. That in and of itself is a huge statement. Your body still has the condition. What made you able to believe, able to shift that decision to go from my body is betraying me, which is a huge, you know, bummer to, I don't believe that anymore. What do you believe now? I believe that your body is working for you and it is giving you signals all the time, telling you that it needs you, your brain, because you're the one who's in control of your body to feed it and fuel it properly. And so if you're feeling pain, if you're feeling, um, you know, if you've got skin conditions, if you've got poor sleep patterns, anything. Those are all signals that your body is sending you that something isn't right. Cause the body really is designed to feel, to be, to function optimally. And pain is always a signal that something is wrong. So once I started, once I shifted my mindset from my body is betraying me, um, why is this happening to me to my body was sending me signals all the time, all this time. And I was ignoring it. That's when I was able to make the change. I realized that I have the power to make the change, to eat better, to sleep better, to surround myself with better people, um, and improve my situation and no, me no longer betraying my body. Awesome. That's a key statement, that last one, that you went from my body betraying me to, oh, what have I been doing to betray my body? And shifting, now, that makes it all make sense for me. Laura, thank you so much for sharing that because now I get why changing the sleeping habits, changing the eating habits, looking at these very uh, basic building blocks of self-care and health, were the answer to this um, awareness that you had been betraying your body by not doing those things. 
That's huge. Well, my goodness, Laura, thank you so very much for taking us on this journey. What a lovely unfolding this is. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're very welcome. Don't go anywhere yet because I want to talk about the gift that you have for everyone who's watching the show, everyone who's watching the video. And it's the, I love the title. I have a thing for even numbers. Six effective ways to reduce stress and improve your wellness. Will you take just a minute and just run through the six if you've got them handy for you? To just just what, or actually, no, instead of telling us what the six are, would you just say, what's the effect you would expect it to have on someone's life if they follow these six effective ways? I believe that it will have the, the effect that the person is looking for, which is to take them out of this difficult space that they're in potentially and realize how much more control they have in their lives to change their situation. And these are the, the these are the six things that you have complete control over. Uh, these are, and by the way, it, I've done my due diligence. All of these six things are backed by science. I can't, you can't take the healthcare consultant out of me. It's been ingrained. So I've done my due diligence. I've gone into the research. Um, and these six things are the areas of your life where, you know, they're related to nutrition, they're related to sleep, they're related to uh, positive um, environments and people. All of these things can have a drastic improvement, like night and day on your well-being and reducing your stress levels. And from there, you will start to notice your body just feeling so much better, your mood, your happiness. Um, you'll just, you'll be a, a much healthier, happier version of yourself. There we go. Cool. Following the six simple, effective ways, you will become a happy, I can a happier, healthier version of yourself. Now, that's something that's super easy to wrap my head around, Laura. You know, we went on this journey that was very ephemeral, you're very esoteric, very um, in my brain concept driven. You know, intuition is not something that most people have a way of making tangible and concrete. The journey you took us on made it very easy for my brain to wrap my head around what are the tangible and concrete outcomes of taking care of my intuition. And they end up at the end with having a happier, healthier life. Yes. What a wonderful gift, Laura. You are such a gift to the world and a huge gift to me and to the mission that we are on to get ahead of the epidemic. When people are having happier, healthier lives, I believe by definition, they are further away from an edge that they may not even have known they were near. Absolutely. Thank you for being willing to share this journey with us today. And thank you so much for having me. It's been such a pleasure. Time flew. I didn't even realize the hour went by and I was so happy to, to share my story. So thank you so much for the opportunity. Oh, you are very, very welcome, Laura. And for everyone watching, make sure you grab the gift. It's in the show notes. It's in the chat because we want you to have a happier, healthier life. We believe this is one of the keys to being suicide proof. So please do that for yourself. Thank you.